Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Oh, it's been quite a week uh, since returning to the World Cup. Chelsea has not been in the greatest of form, and uh, neither has its fan base. I'm just going to be completely honest and straightforward with all of you. Um, So if you're a negative Nancy and you have been partaking on some of this Twitter nonsense... Uh, getting down on Chelsea, down on the club you love and support. Turn this fucking podcast off. It's not for you. Here to join me to talk about everything is the one and only Andres Velasco. Andres, no psalm this week, so it looks like it's just me and you kind of manning the ship. I know you share the same sentiment as me, but I had to kind of get that off my chest early on. Shocker that Man City is still a better team than us. Four days later, or not even four days after we played them midweek. What a wild, <laughs> wild statement that is. Yeah, it, I mean, let's just get right to it. I mean, obviously we played them in the Premier League prior to playing them in the FA Cup. And before we kind of dive into the Premier League match, because I feel like that's the only one really worth uh, talking about in detail. Um, let's just talk a little bit about this sentiment, this negativity this dark cloud that's kind of over the club right now. Where's your head at with everything that's kind of going on? Well, my head is at the fact that we have 10 first team injuries. And before we even reached 10, I said that this team's whole immediate future lies on the health of just one player. And that's Reese James. Uh, People want to point out that Graham Potter's now only won one out of the last seven matches in the Premier League, and guess how many of those matches Reese James started in? Not most of those. And the last one that we won, he started. So I'm going to stick to that. I think the things have only gotten worse, and that's not because of the manager at all. So for me, I think we need to, to an extent, just prepare for it, the turmoil, the up and down, just It is what it is at this point because the whole team's not available. And so it's a little tough right now to to build on stuff when you don't have all your pieces. Yeah, I think that's a good point, mentioning obviously Reese James. But what about N'Golo Conte? I mean, those are probably the two best players for us in our Champions League winning campaign leading up to the Champions League in 2021. I guess you could throw Thiago Silva's name in there too. But guess what? Thiago Silva doesn't uh, impact both sides of the pitch like both of those guys do. So I think that's a huge, huge reason why a lot of this uh, this downtick in performance, um, I guess you could kind of attribute a little bit of it to that. But also, we got new ownership, man. We have a manager that came in mid-season with a broken squad that's an already broken dressing room. You have players who are have one foot out the door, guys that wanted to leave this summer and the summer before, some even the summer before that, somehow they're still at the club. You combine that with, you know, obviously coming to a club of Chelsea size, going from a, from a club like Brighton, and then you're expected to kind of slot in and replace a club legend like Tommy Tuchel, which the fans were actually singing his name today uh, during the FA Cup match in the second leg, which... I thought was was shameful from my from my perspective. Um, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here, Andy, but I, I I gotta get this off my chest. I just I feel like so many Chelsea fans are stuck in the past. So many Chelsea fans feel this sense of entitlement 
um, so many Chelsea fans feel like we should um, remove the word lose from the dictionary when you talk about Chelsea, when you talk about sport, when you talk about the game of football. And I just think everybody needs to grow the fuck up. I think Tommy Tuchel has been gone for four plus months. If you're still crying about him now, I feel sorry for you, to be completely honest. I mean, there's really no other way around it. If you're angry at ownership, if you're blaming ownership for, you know, the performances and Tuchel sacking and not putting your faith in him and whatnot, I feel sorry for you about that. If you're blaming the players for not being good enough, if you're blaming some of the players for not being up to par, not performing well enough, that's fair. To me, that's really the only thing we can criticize at this point is what player, individual players are doing on the pitch in their individual roles. Because there are guys out there who do look like they're willing to take a bullet for the rest of the team. But on the other hand, you got guys out there who look like they're not, clearly. Completely disinterested, playing for a move, not really for playing for results. So when it comes down to singing our ex-manager's name in front of our new manager who we're supposed to be recording, just think of the psychology of everything before you go ahead and do it next time. How is that supposed to make Graham Potter any more confident in what he's doing? How is that the, supposed to make the players feel confident in what Graham Potter's directing them to do? And also, how is it going to make the players more confident in their own ability either? Whatever happened to just going back and supporting anybody who's wearing the club crest on the front of their shirt? What happened to those days? I feel like a year ago, we were well, well in it in terms of our respect for the club, our, our fanhood. I mean, it was almost at an all-time high coming off the Champions League win. And now, all of a sudden, just because we're a mid-table side, people seem to be throwing all of their toys out the pram. Now, making the Champions League is not making the Champions League is terrible. I get that, but you are the same crowd that's arguing that you want to have a pet moment, uh, Arteta moment, a Klopp moment. You want to build a side like theirs. Well, guess what? They were mid-table sides when they first came in, too. So, Andy, I mean, that's all I have to say about that. I, I, I'm really getting sick and tired. I'm, I'm, I'm completely fed up. I think it's childish. I think it's immature. I think it's, frankly, stupid. And I think anybody that partakes in it is just as stupid as the statements themselves. We have to move on. And not supporting this new regime isn't going to help anybody in the long run. In fact... You know what it does? And I'm going to kind of close it up here and open it up to you. If it does anything, it only strengthens the teams that we're trying to catch up to. It puts us further back and puts them one step further forward. What do you think about that? I just think you're feeding the negativity that the media is supposed to be spouting, right? The media loves to write negative pieces on Chelsea. Even when things are great, they loved to put Chelsea down. And now when things are bad, you're feeding the fire. The thing, and they also, Zach, by the way, they meant they were also chanting Roman's name. Mm -hmm. And and ironically enough, Roman and his people created the squad that is here today. The, the majority of the players that aren't fitting, the majority of the players that are causing issues, the majority of the players who, you know, we've been trying to move for years were previous ownership buys and then mm -hmm. the whole thing with Tuchel is like he will forever be a legend but if you really think the last ownership would have kept him after the way this season started you forget 
who came before Bowley. So I think people just want to rewrite history the way that fits their narrative right now. And at the end of the day, Tuchel's not coming back as much as we want to cry for it. Things with Tuchel weren't pretty this season when the squad was far healthier. So at this point, you have to give time to the current regime, the current manager, and then let it, let's see what happens. You can't just say, oh, well, the last manager, we did this. We won the Champions League, and that's a huge accomplishment. And people are going to pull all these quotes and the things that they want to highlight. But at the end of the day, after the Champions League, we didn't beat Man City again, even though Thomas Tuchel promised we were going to hunt them down. And, you know, there, there, there's a lot that people want to forget. Oh, Potter's not fun in, in press conferences, blah, blah, blah. Pulisic was playing well again, finally, before he got hurt. You mm-hmm. know, Zakaria, apparently Tuchel was never going to play him. It came out that he actually was not someone he wanted and he would have never played him. And now Zakaria, in my mind, is most likely the most important piece of this puzzle to make things click because N'Golo Kante is not healthy still. Mm-hmm. And, and just just a lot of the those list, things. The list goes on and on. I mean, you can make yeah. the same argument with Keppa, the same argument with Chalaba. You can make right. the argument Koulibaly got his confidence back after a terrible start to the season. It's one of those things where, like, I get it. There was great times under Tuchel, and there was times where we did play a lot of beautiful football. But that was almost two years ago now. The squad was two years younger. They were two years healthier. Mm -hmm. People are stacking injuries like crazy. So, again, it's not the same. It is not the same, and people need to stop. And it's new ownership. They had a vision. Tuchel didn't want to partake in it. He could still be here too because they were going to be patient. And he said, I didn't, I don't like it. I'm letting you know every step of the way. I don't like what you're doing here, boss man. So what did the boss do? All right, man, get out of here because you're going to complain the whole way to how we want to try things. So Mm. again, I hope this is the last time we talk about it because I think it's so backwards to think backwards, to just think back and think back and think back again. Because if that's the point, like United fans might as well start continue to cry for Ferguson. The man's been gone for 10 years. Like, do we really want to do that right now? Yeah. And if we do look at yourself in the mirror, because a lot of the people crying for Tuchel, I bet you were the ones pissed off at people who liked Sari after he got fired or who liked Lampard still after he was fired. So, again, it happens. People come and go. The club remains. You want the best for your club. Quit looking back and, and, and spew hatred to what's happening currently at the club. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people That's- want to see what the new ownership's ambitions are, I mean, first of all, the same people that are complaining about ownership's ambitions now are the same people that were clamoring that the youth needs to get a look in like five or six years ago. And now all of a sudden we're building a team full of youth, full of it. Chukwameka, Hutchinson, um, who's the kid that we saw today play for us as well. I mean, Humphreys. You're, Humphreys. And, and, and we're bringing in guys like Andre Santos, guys like Cesar Casaday, guys like uh, uh, Gabby Slonina. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. And now you're stacking that on top of the Cobham talent. And somehow, the same people who were clamoring for to, to get for the youth to have a look in 
have their panties in a bunch because we went out and bought a couple young players. But we also fail to mention the ambition in going out and buying a ready-made top-quality center back in Koulibaly, going out and buying a player like, an, like a Christopher Nkunku, right? Uh, adding a guy like Raheem Sterling, who on paper should have been a very good signing for us. The ambition's there. I, I, I just don't understand. It, it, the way some people treat their fanhood is completely dependent on results, and that's, not, that's the definition of, of, of the opposite of being a fan, right? Being yeah. a fan is supporting the team through thick and thin no matter what. If they're wearing the badge, you support them blindly. I don't give a fuck who it is. You can criticize. You can, you can call a spade a spade when you see it. But just blatantly going out and self-sabotaging is not the answer. So that's all I'm going to say on that. I don't want to waste any more breath or any more time on this podcast. I think we should go and talk about the first game at least um, in the Premier League on Thursday, which was our better of the two performances. Um, second performance, very forgetful. But we'll start with the starting lineups. We had Kepa in goal. Started with a back four. Dave as our right back. Tiago and uh, Koulibaly manning the center back slots. Kukurea out on the left. Zakaria and Jorginho were, did look to be holding mids. Um, you have Pulisic, Ziyech, and Sterling um, playing just in front of them and behind Kai Havertz. So Ziyech comes in, Mount picks up an injury, um, and a couple other injuries kind of happened along the way. So, you know, Pulisic looked like he was off to a pretty good start, twists his knee, then Raheem Sterling goes down, looks like Raheem a little Sterling hamstring. Sterling went down first. Or Sterling first, yeah, sorry, you're right. Sterling goes down first, Pulisic goes down second, literally within minutes of each other. Um and on comes uh Abamyang and Chukwemeka. So I want to start off by talking about the positives in this game because for me, Chukwemeka was right at the forefront of it. Looked like the guy was everywhere. He looks calm. He looks like he's somebody that doesn't look like he's 19 years old. When he controls the ball, it looks like he's a 31 through 32 year old veteran that's been in the Premier League for seven or eight years. Um. I think we're starting to see the fruits of that investment. I mean, for, for a 19-year-old that's getting sporadic playing time here and there, dealing with injuries on and off, not really getting a consistent run in the team, what a performance from him. Almost scored. Inches, inches from scoring, and, and it would have been a goal to give us the lead at that point. Um, he's very good in transition. His dribbling was really nice and direct. Um, made some great decisions in the final third. I My one concern is I don't know what his best position is. I don't know where he's going to slide in. If it's a 4-3-3 with, you know, a holding mid and two eights, perfect, makes perfect sense. I just don't know at this point with the injuries of if we're able to do that. I don't know if with the current squad we're even able to do that. So um, I'm a little bit just... Again, this season is just so weird. I wish that it would be just as easy as, oh, we've been playing the 4-3-3 slide into his best spot. But with all these injuries going on, I'm, I'm hoping that he can play some part of the, the three attacking mids uh, midweek so that he can be that force that leads the transition. Because at this point, our midfield is, is the biggest concern for me when it comes to the attack. Not that the attack is misfiring, it's just that the attack never gets to attack. And, and that was seen even more so in, this, in the second match with Man, versus Man City that happened just today. 
So yeah. I, I just thought that he was he was just confident and, and just kind of didn't care who he was playing against, which I, I really respected, especially for a kid. And so I, I think he deserves Premier League starts at this point. I, I don't want to see trash minutes for him anymore. I want to see him start. And, and if he's not, I want him to be one of the first names off the bench because he really has, every time, has made a difference. Yeah, and, and I mean, we're, we're just talking about his actual play on the pitch. We're not talking about the other things that he brings outside of that. I mean, he brings our team much-needed physicality, which we don't have especially in the front line, now that Brojo went down. I don't think we have an attacking player that's as physically um, advantageous as him. I mean, he's a big boy. He can hold defenders off. Got some decent pace on him when he's running with the ball. I mean, it it looks like he is the type of player that we thought Loftus-Cheek was going to be when he was coming through the youth ranks, right? A big guy, six foot plus, great with the ball at his feet, sort of moves like a winger. Um, not really sure what his true position is, but for me, Andy, I think I look at a guy like Chuck and I see him playing in one of the attacking roles in those three positions. Um, at least right now I do. I don't necessarily see a, a, a flaw in his tactical awareness or anything like that, but it's the only place that we've seen both. Did Tuchel even play him? No. I can't remember if he played under Tuchel. I don't think he did. But it's the only place we've really seen him play is you know, somewhere within that front three. So until I see him in a midfield three playing as sort of an eight or even a 10, the most attacking out of a midfield three, then you know the jury is obviously still out for there. But right now, I'm, I completely agree with you. I think he's, uh, he's the ideal impact sub or you know start him. Give him those actual minutes. Give him three or four games, just like you gave Sterling, just like you gave Kai, just like... We gave Timo and Ziyech last year, right? Give those guys a chance. Give them three, four games and see if he can hit the ground running, which, I mean, he's ticked every box so far. Um, another guy who's ticked every box so far has been Lewis Hall. I mean, he was called upon, came in for Kukurea, um, who, let's be honest, didn't have the greatest game, Kukurea. So Lewis Hall I comes in, and he actually looked like the 60 million pound player that Kukurea should have been. And... Again, calm on the ball, beyond his years when he's in possession. He doesn't really waste the pass. He has great awareness, um, both tactically and in terms of when we have possession. He knows when to play the forward ball, when to play it sideways and just recycle. This is another guy who needs to be getting consistent looking. Now, I know he's a lefty, and if anything, left back is a position where we actually have depth once Chilwell comes back. Um, but I'm going to kind of throw this out there and I want your opinion. And then you could kind of talk about his performance as well. But Lewis Hall does play center mid for the Academy. Yeah. That's his actual position. Who's to say he can't come in and play center mid for us. I mean, I mean, we we talk about lacking in that position. Why not give him a shot there? Yeah, I think right now it's just the fact that there's no depth, right? You, if you lose Kukureya and, and you've been playing Lewis Hall at center mid, it's like, well, we're, who comes in now? So I think yeah. at this point it's by necessity. I think he's been a stellar. I think luckily for us, he seems to be one of those just very tactically aware center mids. And, and we've seen this in, in the likes of other players through history. I mean, 
to throw the big obvious ones, right? Philip Lom could play CDM, but also was a world-class fullback on both sides. Then you you saw it, you see it more recently with Kimmich, who is a center mid, then by necessity was played to right back, and now he's back at center mid. So something about that definitely helps him, and, and where it makes him stand out against Kukureya is the final third. He is far more comfortable in in higher pressure situations and situations where he might actually have to force the envelope. He got himself into the box twice against City. The first time was in the uh, Carabao Cup where he could have scored. And then the second time again, unfortunate for us, he could have tied the game. He could have tied the match at the end and he skied yeah. it. And, and that just comes with maybe a little bit of nerves, a little bit of just not being in the pace of, of the Premier League just yet. But the kid does everything right so far. And and I think that's just... This is where the one thing I complain about Potter. Everywhere we're reading right now is that there's full support. The, he is, his decisions are backed by the board. He is here for the long term. And if at least I were in a position of confidence, of full respect from my boss... I would do exactly what I want to do. And this is where I think Potter has been missing, and it's play the kids who are playing well. At this point, losing might as well not matter because we're in 10th. Getting fourth place right now is going to need some sort of Juventus-like miracle eight wins in a row. So if we're going to be going through these ups and downs, win one, lose two, win three, lose one, like if that's what we're in for, at least do it with the people that are going to be here. The kids who you want to experiment with who might be here next year, even if they're not starters next season, at least know what their ceiling is now in positions that you consider for them for the long term. If mm-hmm. Lewis Hall for you is a left back, just play him if Kukre is not doing well. If Chuck is going to be an attacking mid behind the strikers, left, center, right, wherever, Play him there. Right now, we have no healthy wingers. None. Outside of Ziyech. I think Ziyech is actually the only healthy winger right now. And then Hutchinson. Yeah. And Hutchinson's the other one, right? The issue now is that Hutchinson and Ziyech both left-footed, so Hutchinson may be the one getting the least amount of minutes here. But he was doing that slowly with Broja before Broja busted his knee or whatever it was in, in that hard tackle during the friendlies. So we've seen him do it with one guy but at this point where injuries are bad when things are just looking gloom you want to get the support of the fans back play their own they nothing gets the home fans more excited than playing their own and i'm not saying like play somebody who's playing poorly like don't throw gallagher in the double pivot ever again because that was just a trash it's just trash decision that's not where he's supposed to be put these kids where they're going to succeed but let them play let them make the mistakes. Coach them through those mistakes while they're playing in the, in the big leagues. Just make them see what they still need to work on. Because in training, you're not going to get the full speed of a match. Yeah. So you got Chuck. You got Lewis Hall. Now we have Detro Fofana. And, and our striker situation is dire. Looks like he's here to stay. He might have to because Kai Havertz has only gotten worse. And, and I mean that in terms of effort. I mean that in physicality. I saw him slip on his feet like six times today. Yeah. Obama Yang's already phoned it in. 
Yeah, he's done. I, I, he says league. that he respects Potter and they have a good relationship, and I think that's all great and tr- so nice that you're trying to keep the PR off of you, but it's it's not great. So I, I tweeted it jokingly, but almost jokingly because I was trying to not be too mean to Gallagher, but at the same time dig at him. I'd rather see him run like a headless chicken for 90 minutes than see these piss-poor performances from thirty over 30-year-old players. There's, there's a difference when you see a guy like Gallagher working his ass off and it's not coming off for him as opposed to a guy who doesn't work at all. And you just it's inevitable yeah. that it's not going to come off. Like, and I think, nobody wants to and, watch that. And I think this is where like Arteta got it right because he was playing Martinelli. He was playing Saka. He was playing guys who are just supposed to be kids that were filling holes at the time when he had the Obama Yang and, and Lacassette partnership when... You know, he took the armband away from Granit Xhaka, who had been there for years, and gave it to a kid in Odegaard. Like, he made the tough decisions that are now paying off. And I'm not saying that these kids are going to be our saviors and we're going to end in the top four, but these are the names that will be here in his team next season and the season after that and after that because they're teenagers. They're, I'm pretty sure all of them are under 20, and they're doing well enough. It's not like our quality went down after those guys came back. If anything, it went up. The energy level was up. We were actually attacking. Yeah, and that's something I was going to mention. I mean, you said if you really want to get the crowd behind your back, throw on the kids. They love the kids. When we were down 1-0 in the second half, and there was a period of time where we went on a little spurt where we were winning tackles and we had possession, and there was just a lot of energy out on the pitch. We were just expending a lot of energy, you know? And even though we made the mistakes, the crowd wasn't groaning as if it was Ziyech who, who just missed that shot. Or they weren't groaning as if it was Kai who slipped and fell on his own ass. Or if it was Jorginho who tripped on his own feet. There's, a, there's an expectation when the youth are on the pitch, there's almost this feeling of, okay, we know that they're going to make the mistake, but let's see if they have the right idea. And now they're starting to find the little positives and cheer the right ideas. Like, I remember there was one specific uh, point in the match where Lewis Hall made a run down the left. Somebody played a ball to him. I think it was Gallagher. And, they, and he overhit the pass just by, like, maybe a couple inches. And Lewis Hall, full stretch, couldn't get to it, balling out of bounds. Mm-hmm. If that's anyone else on the pitch, like, let's say that's Jorginho and Kukurea, you're hearing boos from the stands. But because it's Gallagher and Lewis Hall, there's almost an expectation that, you know what, they're going to make their mistakes. They're going to go through their little tough patches, but it's the right idea and we're going to support it. So when that ball went out of bounds, you heard a, a section of the fans obviously groan because there just seems to be permanent toxicity with some Chelsea fans. But then the, great, the, the majority of the fans in the stadium kind of gave a little clap, like, that's the right idea. That's, that, that's the ball that should have been played. Yeah. So I think there is reasonable, like, there's a reasonable way to do this, like you're saying. Play the guys that you know are going to be here. Play the guys that you know are on the long-term contracts that the club and own. This is the key. The guys that ownership are investing in, not the previous ownership, the current ownership. The guys that the current ownership are investing in. You have to be, you know, even if ownership told uh, Potter, hey, you have 12 months to turn the results around. Take those 12 months 
And even if you're not getting the results, at least you have proof of, hey, look, look how much better Chuck is getting. Look, uh, Hutchinson's getting in on the goals for us a little bit. Uh, uh, Lewis Hall is getting a start, you know, every other match now. Look, he's almost, he's ahead in the pecking order over Kukurea. He's just behind Chilwell now. I mean, those conversations are realistic. They could happen. But these guys have to kind of get their chances. Now, we didn't really talk much about Amari Hutchinson's performance. It was more of a cameo more than anything. Didn't get many touches. Yeah. He looked a little spooked just based on the occasion. I'm not holding any weight um, from that performance. I'm, I'm not putting any of that towards my judgment of him as a player because you're coming on against the defending champions, arguably the best team on the planet. And, and he came on when it was deflated because here's the thing. Yeah. I, I want to I make sure I clarify this. The tactical deployment that happened midweek and the way the players were playing midweek was great. Yeah. It was the, the Zakaria Kovacic double pivot was working. The the front the three behind the striker, unfortunate because we lost both strikers. But Ziyech was forcing the envelope for a while too. We already talked about Chuck on the opposite side of him, Chukomeka. He was doing well. And even Kai was decent. I, I'm not gonna say he was stellar, but he was much better than he was this Sunday. Serviceable, at least. The, the thing that killed everything was just vintage Keppa moment happening. And and for up until that point, I think the goal came, what, early second half, if I'm not mistaken? Um, I'll pull it up real quick. The goal I think came... It, I think it did. Fifth, 63rd minute, after Mares yeah. and, and Grealish got subbed in, and, and uh, Pep stopped trying to be out thinking it like he does sometimes but we were defending well city was frustrated they weren't doing what they're used to doing sure kukuria would get beaten wide dave would get beaten wide but tiago uh, kulabali zakaria kovacic they were all in the right place the the four middle players were always there as if to say we know we might get beaten wide but we know what to expect next and then the guys trying to press on the other side of things or were countering and trying to make things happen. They were doing decent, honestly, because at the end of the day, City has a great defense. And like I said, Chukwameka almost gave us a lead before halftime. The chances were there. We hit the post twice before the City goal occurred. And then vintage Kepa moment. I think he lost his complete sense of where he was. And just let a ball go across his six-yard line, which to me must be some sort of goalkeeper cardinal sin. And it was a tapping in the back post. If yeah. you're a Chilwell stand and a Cuckoo hater, sure, blame Kukure if you want. But if you watch the replay, Kepa was within arm's reach. It wasn't something where he didn't react quickly enough. He slid towards the ball and then watched it go across because he was like almost threw his hands up as if to say that's going wide of my goal i really think he lost his placement and after that it was very deflating it almost felt like here comes a second one until the kids came but i i really don't want to throw away what that looked like and and how well the team was fighting at that point so I, I think that needs to be said that the kids being the, the boost and and the fact that one goalkeeper error is what kept us from at least one point, at least. So it, yeah. it's disheartening because that happened mis- midweek and then we go on to the FA Cup to where we all know what happened today and it was just 
awful. But yeah, I I I'm still not gonna go and say we're gonna get relegated or that Potter needs to be sacked because honestly I I think it's gonna be it's just gonna be bad before it gets good. And I think when it does get good, it's gonna get real good. Because I, I hope that this new scouting network and, and these people are, are actually working in in full unison as to what is needed, not just what these young signings are for 2030, but what is needed in the immediate future. Yeah. And, and I think your point about um, specifically kind of going back and talking about the tactical deployment of this game was spot on. I think tactically Potter deployed the team and put us in a position where we could have gotten a result. If Lewis Hall puts his shot on frame, that's a result. If Kepa takes one step out and decides to, to lunge at that cross, that's a result. If Kukurea not having a, a perfectly timed run stopped by a miraculous slide from John Stones, which unfortunately yep. ended up taking him out of the game, but we were pushing the envelope. This yeah, is, we were. This is by we far the... This is uh, Arsenal's top of the table. You can say whatever you want, but this is the best team in England. Mm-hmm. And this is the argument I, I made to Solomon and, and I told them was like, Chelsea plays up to the level of their opposition for most times. And or down, yeah, or down. And I think part part of bringing the kids and, and having that, you know, youth movement is great and all, but we're still not, we're still not consistently motivated to do it every week because. Outside of Tiago right now, I don't think this team has true leaders, or at least leaders that these kids can can rely on. Because the one guy that holds them accountable, apart from Tiago, is not here right now, and that's Reese James. Those are the two guys I can count on to be leaders. And when the two of them aren't on the pitch, we don't look like we should. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't I know. Fair. And Koulibaly, captain in Napoli, fantastic. He's got the age. Happy but for I think. I think Koulibaly right now is going through what Rudiger had to go through his first 18 months at Chelsea, which is, fuck, I'm older. I need to adapt to this because I've been used to something else my whole life. Yeah. Rudiger played in the Bundesliga and in, in, in Syria, and, and it took him a while. We were ready. This very podcast said he's the fourth center back in the death chart at one point. We wanted him sold. We wanted him gone. January of 2021, I remember saying on this podcast that I wanted him sold. Around this time, two years ago, and and then the following eighteen we eighteen uh sorry yeah twelve eighteen, 18 months, months were maybe eat my shit all of yeah. us we hoped that we rubbed our faces in contract it. everything mm-hmm. so so that's my point like right now this team doesn't have leadership I don't give a rat's ass that Jorginho won the UEFA Player of the Year and that he you know all the Euro Cup and all these individual awards he's not a leader. He's not a leader. That guy has people pleaser written all over him based on his, he's the, he's the good vibes guy in the locker room. He's not the guy that's going to slap you in the back and say, what the fuck were you doing today? Like, that's not it. It's not who he is, but yet he wears the freaking captain's armband if Aspilicueta is not on the pitch. Love Aspie, club legend, same thing. That dude is a leader by example, and that's as far as it goes. Not once have I heard of a players only meeting where the, the captain fucking just reams them all and tells them what it means to be Chelsea. I haven't seen that since John Terry left. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. And I think now is the time. Like, Potter, lean into what you know is the future. Give the armband to Reese James. 
play these young kids and or play the guys that at least are part of your plan next year. We don't know yet what we're doing with Zakaria. But Zakaria right now is the most important midfielder on this team because he gives us a profile that we haven't had and it changes how the attack can play. He keeps it simple and he passes forward. Oh, what a concept. There's he guys out there like Ziyech. that? Yeah, he allowed Ziyech to look good against City. Mm-hmm. You know, Which it's, he did. It's things like, yeah, it's, he looked half it's decent. It's things like that. It's just, man, like, lean into it. Lean into it. I, I'll, I'll use this t- chance to, like, talk about the FA Cup because here's the thing with today's match. It was totally the B team. Mount, Mount got to come back and, and Mount's a whole other situation, but I hope that seeing Jorginho start today's match means to me that he is part of the B team. Zakaria got some rest because I hope Zakaria is ready for Fulham on Thursday. But Gallagher starting today, Gallagher has not shown me. I, for a second, Zach, I thought I was going to say that you were going to come out on top on this bet, but I'm slowly saying that we may have been wrong on Gallagher. I, I don't want to give up on the kid. He's early, but mm-hmm. I don't know where he fits. He's in, Listen, in if, I, I will say this. I haven't been on. I haven't been correct on Gallagher up to this point. It's obvious he hasn't been great but my, outside of the Crystal Palace goal and a few cameos here and there. But if Graham Potter does take your advice and does heed the the like the frame of mind to think, okay, you know what, I'm just going to play the guys that I think are going to be here. I'm going to play the guys that I'm going to consider towards my my future planning. If that does happen, Gallagher gets more playing time, gets more starts, and then I win my bet. I'm, I, I'm fully confident of that. I know for a fact if Gallagher gets a consistent run of games and a consistent run of time, he will come good. I don't think it's a matter of, oh, he, he hasn't looked good, the jury's still out. He was fantastic for Crystal Palace last season. He would have slotted into any, any side starting 11 outside the top six and would have slid into any squad in the top six. So I'm not having the whole, you know, he's not a good thing. I know that's not what you're saying, but I just kind of want to put it out there on record. If we do start to focus on playing the kids and playing the future of the club, Connor Gallagher will get more minutes and he'll come good and I'll be $20 richer. <laughs> the, the other thing I want to say about today's match, I think people are like, oh, the players gave up. And I think they did. I think the players 100% but, uh, gave up. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, is like, it's a cup. They gave up because they have to turn around and play a league match where a draw is beneficial. A win is beneficial. You're playing for the result. At that point, we were down we were down three goals in 30 minutes. And, I mean, the first one, it's a free kick. Nothing we can do there. No keeper stops that, so I'm not even going to think Kepa issue. Then two pens. Two fucking pens. Like, four of the three goals were set pieces. Dumb fouls, man. Cool Bali. We need to cut those out. Simple as... But the one thing that I can look into this match that I hope is something that Graham Potter liked is Chalaba right back. We've been talking about it. We've been hoping for it. And maybe today he was like, you know what? This can work. I, I hope so. I know we reverted back to a back three. I know. But I hope that it, it was just because he was like trying to stop the bleeding and, and get across the 90 minutes more so than thinking that that needs to be the way to go because I, I don't think anything really changed at that point. I think it, we honestly looked worse. But mm-hmm. Chalaba right back, 
hope he liked it because I'm I can't see Dave anymore. I can't see Dave as option one because it's it's just awful to watch. Simple as that. It's like watching I, I, a loved one just deteriorate slowly. Yeah, as dark as that sounds, yes, I, I, I agree. I, I think that there's there's some guys that you extend because you think, oh, maybe next year we'll get, you know, like extending RLC versus extending Aspie. One of them is like, oh, there might be an upside here versus the other one is you're prolonging something just for shit's sake. Yeah. He could have walked away. All of us would have been just fine. It, it could have been just fine. He would have been happy. We would have been happy. We're not asking Aspie, more of Aspie anymore. Here's here the thing. He, he, he wanted to walk away. Yeah, he asked. Which, he which, asked which, is, which is disappointing that the club didn't obviously grant him his wish. I could see the sentiment in bringing him back. He's a club captain. I mean, from Bully's standpoint, yeah. I mean, the guy doesn't really know football. Yeah, he begged him um, to stay, and he did. He's like, yeah, he hasn't been watching SP the last 10 years. So all he hears is how he's a legend, how he started the Champions League final, won how many Premier Leagues, won how many trophies, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The resume speaks for itself, but at some point, you do have to kind of cut them loose. And I think he's case in point. I mean, look, if, if, if this match showed anything, if the last two matches showed anything, it should show ownership that there is a lot of fucking work to do on the squad still. Buying two or three marquee signings and four or five young players is not going to cut it. We have contracts that are useless. We have players that are useless. We have guys that are aging. We have a combination of guys that are aging, guys that don't want to be here, and guys who just frankly aren't good enough. And, you know, the guys that do want to be here are just not good enough. I'm sorry. And I'm talking about the Kai Havertzes of the world. The Ziyeshes of the world. I'm talking about guys like that. Jorginho even. Yeah, wants we, to be here. Wants the to club. Be yeah, well, Ziyesh, we don't know that yet. You know, but but Jorginho's a perfect example. The guy loves the club. He's on record saying he loves the club. He wants to stay in London. I think his girlfriend's British now, right? I don't Girl know, but of course now. he loves the club. Everybody, every yeah. starter, every, he starts every fucking match because yeah. he's the only guy that stays Listen. healthy because he doesn't tackle, because he doesn't run fast, because he literally walks when he doesn't have the ball. Of course he's going to be fucking healthy. I'm not going to shit on him for loving the club, but I'll shit on his performances. Yeah, I agree with all the above. But I, I, I think the overarching theme here is that ownership needs to look at this situation and understand just how big of an overhaul is needed. I think it's way bigger than they initially anticipated. I think when they came in, they were thinking to themselves, okay, we have this great coach. Um, we have a, a squad that won the Champions League two years ago. All we need to do is sprinkle a little star power on top of it and poof, the team will be back. And that was the polar opposite. I think that's why we didn't buy a right back. I think that's why we didn't buy another center mid this season. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a huge reason why we didn't buy another right back or a center mid this season, actually. They probably look at the situation and say, oh, we'll get Sterling in here, sprinkle in some goals. Kukurea locked down that left-hand side. Chilwa looks like he's kind of injury-prone. Perfect. We're all set. Oh, and Koulibaly to replace Rudiger, and now we're all set. When in reality... I think you have more players that don't belong there in our first team squad than players who do. And that's across the board. That's guys who don't want to be here, guys that aren't good enough, guys that are on shitty contracts, guys that are too old, everybody. I think there's more Deadwood than players that are going to be here for the long haul, honestly. And, and the team that we played today was, was, was proof of it. 
the guys that we're trying were guys that are going to be here and guys that have contracts running through 2026. That's not a coincidence. There's a reason why guys like Kai Havertz and guys like Hakeem Ziyech stopped running. Now, there's a reason why guys like Jorginho don't, um, you know, they, they get bypassed match in and match out and match in and match out. I frankly don't think that there's, it, it's a combination of things, but I don't think the, those senior players at the highest level, like the Jorginho's, like the Havertz's, those guys that have been here for a few seasons, I don't think they like Graham Potter particularly. I really don't think they, they, they rate him as a manager. I think there's a lack of respect just in terms of what Graham Potter's achieved in his resume, which, I mean, it's debatable. The guy, the guy didn't necessarily set the world alight before joining Chelsea, but, but who the fuck is to say that there's no upside in signing I like that either? Sorry, so, didn't win shit before he came so, here either. I mean, I, I'm not going to buy that. I think, yeah. I think it's just like... Then what is it? What, what, I mean, what those the fuck players, is going on with, those with some of these players? Those players disrespected Tuchel too. I mean, I think at this point, like, Aubameyang thought he was coming. And I mentioned this with some. I, Aubameyang thought he was coming to play with Tuchel. Tuchel mm-hmm. gets fired within a week. He didn't even get to practice with Tuchel, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was like one of those where like... I think he played he one match. Once, yeah, once or twice. Tops. So there's that. He was coming to, to kind of twilight years to, to help out an old friend. Jorginho was on, about to get phased out, and then he thought he was getting a lifeline with Potter, and he's about to get phased out again. Simple as that. The old, like, Koulibaly's digging his own grave. Like, he's just, he, he, he had two fresh starts. Not yet there. Uh, Kukurea, two fresh starts. Still not. You know, I doubt he doesn't like Potter. Come on, Player of the Year last year for him. If anything, I think he's. I think Kukurea just came into a toxic environment and just. I mean, you yeah. can't really swim yourself out of it. And then, and then you have players like Kai. Kai, I, Kai just needs to go to Germany, man. I, I, at this point, I get he's 22. Like his upside is coming. Blah blah blah. I just think it's not. A, it's not going to be a good fit if it if it hasn't clicked yet. I I don't get it i think he's super talented i think it's all there but i think he's he works more in a more soft league to say that leagues where he can just have space and time and and certainly as as the focal point of an attack that he's not going to get that uh I'll just if kai havertz was an american football player he'd be playing flag football yeah and and there's there's more to it man i mean Right as Pulisic gets bright, he gets hurt again. That's not good for what his stock is, whether he wants to leave or stay. Like, how much can you depend on a guy that can't be healthy? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to buy that the locker room doesn't like Potter. I think the locker room is just selfish. That's how I I see it. I think there's an element of that, though. I really do think that there's an I mean, obviously, the selfishness speaks for itself. You're talking about players and egos and sums of money and you know a combination of world cup and champions league and premier league and other league winners all mixed in the same dressing room they're just all internationals you're gonna have that but i genuinely don't feel like there is a a a feeling within the squad that everybody trusts potter i don't know if it's a matter of respect I i don't think anybody would go out and you know say basically what I'm trying to say is I don't think anybody's going to go out there and pull a Lukaku in in regards to Potter, but I don't think that there's a a level of respect there with some of the players towards Potter and and what he's achieved. I I think it's obvious. I mean, mean, look, look at it this way. 
who are your three favorite Chelsea managers of all time? And, and they don't have to be in any order, and it doesn't have to be a permanent list. But just name three of your favorite Chelsea managers ever. Mourinho, Angelotti, and Tuchel. Okay. All three of those players, when they were at the top of their reigns, let's call them, or regimes, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. The players would die for them. Undoubtedly. But, but here's the thing. like Those... Ancelotti came in his prime. Perfect. But Mourinho was nobody when he got here. He was a huge risk. And he just won the Champions League with Porto. Again, everyone called that a fluke. You're going to tell me. And, and Chelsea had never done anything. So, like, I don't think players are just going to outright, like, deny Potter. Koulibaly hasn't won shit. So what's he going to do? Thiago Silva, maybe. Thiago Silva might be the only one. Who actually gets to fucking say anything? Because Sears was bench warming under Tuchel, has a Champions League medal, but he was bench warming. Sterling, they let him walk. We got a good price on Sterling, but City didn't fight for him. They're like, here's what we value you at. We'll take 35 mil or whatever the number was 45. Anywho, mm-hmm. they're doing just fine without him. I don't see any City fans or even the coaching staff like. Aguero left and Pep cried. I don't see that with Sterling. Pulisic has been hurt so long, I don't think people, he even knows how, what his worth is. And, and so to me, it's like, huh, this dude, because again, a lot of these Chelsea players were here last year. His old Brighton teams beat us every time. He made a relegation team stay, and then they got better and better, and they slapped Liverpool, they slapped Chelsea, they've beaten City, and until he left Brighton, they were top four. They yeah. beat United, they beat Liverpool, they were right there. So, like, sure, he hasn't done it yet, but I don't think he's an idiot. It, these players were playing well when they were healthy. The Again, problem is, do these play, these players don't think the way we do. They don't think in hindsight, they're not sitting on their couches watching themselves play week in and week out. They're actually in it. And sometimes I feel like they might get even too immersed in it to see what we're seeing. Like, we're seeing all the good Potter has done. We're seeing the potential upside with him. We're seeing the tactical nuances at Brighton and how he took players that were I've never even heard of before and made them household names in the Premier League. But I don't think any of those players, not fair to say any, but I think a good amount of those players, enough to make the environment a bit toxic, I think a good amount of those players don't see Potter the way we do in terms of, and, oh, look, and, this and guy they have a very through, short memory. Through the Swedish league, brought Ostersons back to life, came to England, brought Brighton back to life. Well, just think about what he did so far here, because, again, that would be extremely short term. Who helped Chelsea beat AC Milan twice. Serie A champions AC Milan when we were supposed to get eliminated from Champions League. Mm-hmm. That's fair, but I'm going to play devil's advocate then. Because I agree with you, but I'll play devil's advocate. Okay. New manager bounce. That was his first couple weeks. Okay, then new manager bounce gets stopped by a World Cup and by half his team disappearing? Like, how is that on him? How is it that when you get momentum... There's a World Cup happening. That's Potter's fault. Ten players out of the 22 first team names are on the fucking physio table. We have a starting. We have a Potter's. starting eleven that could finish in the top half of the Premier League. That's my injured. ass. 
Maya. Oh, sorry. Yes, I thought you meant yeah. that our current eleven can talk. No, no, like, no. That's my. I mean, that's you my top top six with that with the that, injured eleven. And and before we get into like the news and what we may do in January, like people are so quick to be like on paper, this team on paper, this team on paper. We are a better team on paper than Newcastle. Like, I'm sorry, but sure, individually these players look great, but this is not FIFA where you can put the good overall ratings together and everybody plays pretty. This is a dysfunctional-ass team. Kukure mm-hmm. is the only left-back, and we used to play where our left-back and our right-back are joining the attack. Kukure is not good at that. Thiago Silva, old. He was flanked by one of the most athletic center-backs in, in Rudiger who was his, like, kind of attack dog, and now he has Koulibaly, who is getting spun by fucking Nottingham Forest. No Reese James on the right side. I don't even have to go any further than that. Our midfield, complete disaster. You have a Regista when we don't play with one. You have, like, seven, eight who are all dribbling progressors, and then you have Zakaria, who's finally getting minutes, who is more of a DM slash eight. And then you have the wingers. You have... Two left wingers. You have Pulisic and Sterling, and you have one right winger in Ziyech. And up until just recently, you're finally playing those guys where they're supposed to. And then your your 10 is truly an 8 because Mason Mount, in no world, shape, or form, is he a 10. He is not Bruno Fernandez. He or he's not Juan Mata. He's not Oscar. He is not a fucking 10. I don't care anymore. Mason Mount will never be a 10 because he doesn't see the, the the pitch the way those guys are supposed to. And then you have Kai Havertz playing at the nine when he's never been a nine. So tell me how this team is supposed to be in the top four next to the others when none of these players click. At one point or another, the, the profiles you put together on an 11 don't make a pretty, a pretty picture. It doesn't okay, well, click. Well, yeah. I mean, that's understandable. But who's the guy playing Mason Mount at the 10? Who's the guy playing Kai Havertz at the nine? Who's the guy who asked Kukurea to join the attack playing as a left wing back early on? I'm not in charge. He's he, he, this is like politician shit. Like everyone loves to blame the new president when he's one month into the job for shit that's happening as he just put his books down in his desk. He's inheriting shit. He is mm. inheriting Kai Havertz having to play the nine. He is inheriting all this other stuff. And on top of it, if he doesn't want to play Kai Havertz at the nine anymore, the guy that he was kind of slowly putting in there is hurt. Broja's not here. Who was playing Broja? Not Tuchel. Yeah. It was fucking uh, Potter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look. He benched Kukurea. He benched Kukurea. We thought, oh shit, Chilwell's fucked. Potter's in. He's going to play Kukurea no matter what. Chilwell started. it's, It's, again, Look at that month. Sure, new manager bounce, whatever you want, but it wasn't just a bounce because it's not like he did exactly what Tuchel was doing. There was vertical passes, runs from midfield past the, the uh, front three. It was fun. It was exciting. It was gritty. We were seeing hard tackles. We were out physically performing these teams with bigger dudes. Like It was what it's supposed to look like. The truth is we're made of fucking glass, and there's no depth behind that first eleven. And that is not on the current manager yeah. or the ownership no. for that matter. They had one summer, which was like half a summer because they were deep in deep shit with legal paperwork and getting used to stuff. Like, again, I'm okay with this season being a wash 
And next season, I'm ready to chop a manager's head off if it doesn't get better. Yeah. And that's, I, I, that's where I'm at. 18 months. Give Potter 18 months. Let's see what happens at the end of the following season, the 23-24 season. Yeah. Yeah. That's I don't look. I, I, I agree. I, I think I think in large part when your performances hinge on the health of one player, you're gonna fucking blow results when that one player goes down. And unfortunately that's just been the case more often than not the last two seasons in regard to Reese James. And I don't want to discount the importance of having a guy like N'Golo Conte healthy either. I mean, even if he of does course. only play one or two game spurts, the guy comes in stone cold after not playing for three or four months, puts in a worldly performance, and then decides to pop a hamstring next game. Yeah. You know, it, it can't hinge on two players. And that's the, that's the point. Because outside of Thiago Silva, those are the only two players that you can debate are world class in this team. And that's um, at the end of the day, this team defensively is still really solid if you look at the numbers. Like today, forget today for a second because that was one really bad performance. But ahead of Chelsea, there's like maybe four total teams that have a better uh, defensive record. So like Thiago Silva is doing the Lord's work to make this backline work right now. I really think like this midfield, the middle of the field is just such a mess. That yeah. That, that with that with with the middle of the field, I saw a heat map today of the passes and, and where players were were winning the ball, and it's a horseshoe. It is an actual horseshoe. Nothing is going through the middle at Chelsea, and I don't think that's by design anymore. I really yeah. think it's the fact that our, this midfield is atrocious. The middle of our part of our of our of the pitch for us is is weak. It's lazy and soft. And it's just not possession. good enough. Rodri is forward, a doesn't shoot no, from distance. Can't Rodri's read the early am- ball at all. And Rodri's an amazing DM, but my God, to to not even have like a a soft green patch in the middle of the of the field in terms of a heat map is 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 atrocious. Yeah. And and so again, I I'm just I maybe I'm the only one I'm patient, but I, there's a lot of work to do this January. We can't wait all for the summer. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think there's a fuck ton of work to be done. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to be done in January or next summer, even if we go out in both windows, guns blazing, willing to spend and sell. I think it's going to take multiple windows for us to see this squad fully revamped and completely rid of some of the dead weight. Because like you said, a lot, most of the dead weight comes from the previous regime. But, you know, guys like Obama Yang... That's dead weight for this regime. Guys like Kukurea and Koulibaly, if they don't turn their performances around and be consistent, that's dead weight as well. So, you know, there are certain risks that ownership is playing. But I do want to talk about some of the transfer rumors from this week. Um, the first one, obviously the most depressing, probably the most depressed I've been since we haven't signed a player after reading and seeing all signs pointing to the fact that we were going to sign him. Enzo Fernandez, the Argentinian uh, young player of the World Cup, um, he has agreed to join Chelsea. Um, he even communicated that to his manager and to his club Benfica. When that was communicated, um, they opened negotiations with Chelsea. Chelsea bid $85 million, and long story short, Benfica didn't like that very much. They were offended, they were butthurt, whatever word you want to put in there. But um, they basically said they're not going to be selling Enzo unless the $120 million, um, release clause is triggered. 
This one stung, Andy. I mean, the guy wanted to join us. I wanted him to join us. I think profile-wise, yes, he's not your DM. He's not Declan Rice. He's not that kind of player. But he is exactly what we need in terms of grit, in terms of the ability to play across the midfield three, um, in terms of creativity from the middle of the park, finding the killer ball, uh, you know, shooting from distance, adding to the youth, which has been the MO for this ownership so far. I mean, he really ticked every single box, regardless of the fucking price tag. I wanted this signing more than anything. I wanted this signing more than Nkunku. When I found out that he was interested in joining Chelsea, I thought that there should have been zero questions asked. Here's $120 million. Enzo will buy your flight. Flying you first class, buddy. Enjoy London. This yeah. sucks. It this sucks. Freaking blows. It, yeah. So I know Fabrizio tweeted sometime yesterday, I believe. He said um, that the two clubs are no longer communicating or haven't communicated since the 85 million bid was rejected. Are you still holding out hope? I mean, after this week, I feel like I have to. <laughs> I. Why would he still know. want to join us, though? I mean, that's I mean, kind of like where I'm, where I'm at. You never know, man. McAllister can tell him the, the perks of working with someone like Potter. At the end of the day, Chelsea has a bigger profile than Benfica. Um, getting him in January after he signed in the summer was always going to be tough. And I think, I think that Bowley and company just really played with fire because... They were willing to pay the price, but then Enzo agreed with the terms or whatever to join Chelsea super quickly. And then he, you know, started misbehaving and they thought, oh, maybe this is our chance. And in reality, they just said, no, it's not. You know, they tried to play a little bit of hardball and I think it just bit them in the ass if, if the reports are true. I, if I want to put on my little tinfoil hat, maybe this is all part of a ruse. Maybe this is all part of Benfica, like saying, hey, make it sound like we really didn't want to sell and we're going to agree a fee with you guys. Like, I, that's again, me completely bullshitting here and, and trying to be a hopeless optimist that maybe Benfica is like, we need a story that makes it look like we played hardball with you, Todd, because he's coming. He's coming, but make it sound like we just. I don't even think that I don't even think Bully Ekbali would even co-sign that because no, like my, why why would they smear their own name just to get one player? Oh, in for sure. I, I think again, I'm messing around, and at the end of the day, you've heard that like Bully and company want to clear like they want to buy a Portuguese team. So to piss off one of the biggest, if not the currently biggest Portuguese team, is is bad business. No matter if it's Enzo or later. So yeah, yeah I think. I hope they come back with flowers and chocolates and a lot of apologies and not do this whole like player plus bullshit. Just give them the money. They don't get they don't want Andre Santos. They don't want Fofana. They just want their money. They're midway through a season where they're winning. They were looking really good in the Champions League, so they were hoping maybe to upset a few folks. And when you take away like the key middle guy from that whole equation, of course they want the money. It's a luxury to get him right now. And yeah, sorry, go ahead. And I the, the big clubs that are established, you know, or at least a little bit more established than us in Liverpool, who are also not having the best season, but Liverpool, uh, Madrid, maybe Manchester United. I don't know what the status is there, but 
they can wait. They can wait till the summer, and then they can come in and bid and and really, you know, have a a, a war for the player. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think that's why we want we need to do it now because at that point, if we don't have Champions League, he may turn his head elsewhere. He is going to turn his head elsewhere, and and that was my point earlier. It's like if the results keep going the way we're going, now we're not looking at Enzo Fernandez and Kunku. Um, you know, top t- let, let's call them uh, top tier talent that's available in the window, right? Because they yeah. are. Now we're going to be looking at that second tier of players, and that's what I'm a little bit concerned about. Again, I mean, kind of moving on a little bit. I know it's not here in the script, but there was rumors that we were going to hijack the uh, Mudrik deal to to Arsenal from Shakhtar to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would Mudrik want to come here after watching us last week at the Bridge? I mean, I know he was in in a attendance watching us um play city in the premier league at the bridge but what about him makes him be like oh wow this side this side plays progressive oh, football no. i'll be able to get on the ball a lot blah 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 I, I i think if we especially if we if we miss out on champions league our chances to get those top tier talents that the rest of europe are sniffing around and and, and, and hovering around basically go down the drain i mean i'm, I'm sure we'll have a, a shot for one of those guys hopefully all of them but even if we do have a shot, now clubs know, like, and this is my problem with the Enzo deal collapsing. Now clubs know that we're willing to bid $85 million on a player. Even though we didn't pay the $120 million, is a fuck ton of money. Clubs are going to come looking at us like, hey, you're desperate. You missed out on your first target. Now you want our guy? We want as much money as possible, right? That's one, that, that's one angle of it. The other angle of it is this is the second signing under the new board of directors right i think the first one was body officially or, or, or third technically because he had body and uh fourth fofana fofana body and andre santos andre santos yeah but let's say this is the first big name signing that they were going after this was the first you know top tier talent that they're going after the level of failure publicly and also within other clubs i don't know what other clubs are hearing but just the sheer look of this is awful for us it's a terrible start for whoever's initiating the negotiation process with the other clubs now i know benfica saying one thing i know their manager came out and said you know they promised us they were going to pay 120 now they're paying 85 ah who knows if that's bullshit i'm calling bullshit just because he's playing their side he's has no reason to play ours. But who, other clubs are thinking that. Other clubs don't really know what happened. Other players don't really know what happened. Now they could possibly be thinking the same thing too. Like, oh, if I you know, announce my desire to go there, if they promise me one thing, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. Like, why would I burn my bridge with my club if you know, they're going to bid 15, 20, 30, 40 million yeah. less than what the... Than, than what they said they were. So I think, I think we look a little two-faced in this situation, and, and unfortunately, we got left with egg on both of those faces, right? It's just like, we promised the guy one thing, he agreed, we go to his club, we try to lowball them, they get offended, and they walk away from the negotiating table. I don't really blame Benfica for doing that, but I'm just saying it is such a bad look. And I hope that it doesn't impact the way we're able to or not to negotiate with other teams in the future. Like, I really hope that teams like Leipzig, uh, Leipzig and teams like 
Dortmund and teams that we bought to from the past in Italy and all across Europe. I hope that they're not looking at the situation and going, "Oh fuck!" Like this is going to be the new, this is going to be the, the 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 new guys that are running Chelsea's transfer charge. Fuck that! I don't want to deal with any of them. And that's just kind of the vibe that I'm getting from these Benfica guys. It's it's the rhetoric that they're putting out is a terrible look for us. And there's really no defending us in this situation because the player agreed to join. Benfica's on record saying pay 120 million or fuck go fuck yourself and we still went ahead and bid 85 it's just i'm trying to see the glass half full here and i and i, and I just really can't but anyways um there's another name that we are linked with and uh this is marcus turam from uh Borussia mönchengladbach if you guys don't remember him he was one of france's super subs in the world cup this year he had an incredible world cup um, I know he didn't put up the greatest numbers. He didn't score that many goals or have that many assists. But for, for coming off the bench for France, in terms of being a pure game changer, in terms of being a tempo setter, in terms of being a physical presence, all of the above, Turam was phenomenal. Um, he also becomes a free agent this summer of 2023. The rumors started about yesterday. We're recording today on a Sunday. Um, Chelsea think because his contract's running out and he already stated his desire to leave the club, um, we think that we can get a cut price deal for him, possibly find a fill-in striker slash winger, somebody that we could play in the front three for the time being, but also somebody who's young enough and has the profile that would be able to grow. I know this isn't top-tier talent like we talked about before. This isn't Nkunku. This isn't Enzo Fernandez. This isn't, you know, fucking Jao Felix, whoever else, whatever else name you want to put there. But in my opinion, I think this is... Good business if we can pull it off. High risk, low reward. Yeah. Or, or low risk, high reward. Sorry. I think it all comes down to is the player motivated by what he's coming into? Um, does he want to be here and fight for a place? Because he will get to just talk to anyone for free in, in the summer. So, yeah, sure. 10, 12 million can get him across the line. I'm sure Motion Gladbach. You know, if they can find a replacement. Because, again, they don't have to. He is second in mm -hmm. goals in the Bundesliga right now behind Nkunku. I think he's got 10 goals, three assists. And he had two assists off the bench for France, one in the, in the World Cup final. Um, it just comes down to, is the player going to tell them that he wants to go? Like, is he buying into, like, he has a true role here? Or does he think that he is just a Band-Aid and then come summer, he's looking for a new home? That's the part that I'm not sure. Is it opportunistic for us? Sure. It's just that, again, he could, it's January. He can just talk to player, to teams about the summer. And, and so it, it, reports say he's going to look at all the projects in front of him and take his time, and we just don't have that time. Um, 10 I can mil, totally, if he's motivated, sure. I can totally see a team like Newcastle going after him in the summer. No transfer yeah. fee. Super high ceiling, fills in a gap that they desperately need. They need more attackers. I, I think the market's going to be big for him come the summertime. I think if I was in his shoes, I would probably wait on making a move until the summer and just seeing all the options in front of you where every team is at. Especially if you're looking at Chelsea, and, and, and I know this is going to sound anti-Chelsea, but if I'm a player looking to come to Chelsea, I'm looking at our project and saying, I need to see what they do in January and how they finish the season. I just think I just think that he's a name that hasn't been linked before. So to me, 
how much you know how how sweet can they make it sound to him because we haven't been linked before to to Rob. Mm-hmm. If it's something like oh Leal, we're going for Leal. Leal knows the interest has been there. Mm-hmm. Enzo knows the interest has been there. Those are are names that we've been Rice. Rice has Jao known Felix. Jao Felix, you know these young yeah. guys. Sure, and Jerome's not old. He's twenty five. He's going into his prime, but it's just. Uh, it's not what I keep reading. Like I'm sure his agent is telling him that. Like, let's see what they say because so far they've signed a bunch of teenagers because they're thinking we're not going to be good for a while, or or we're trying to be good in five years, be elite again. So that's where I'm at. I think it's a steal at, at 10 million. It's sort of how when we went in for Barkley at 15 million in, in January. I think it's very low risk. He's going to be free next next summer anyway. So. If he balls out for us, it's a surprise, and we'll take it. And if he doesn't, I'm sure we can cut ties quickly. I mean, and this guy's balling out in Germany. Ross Barkley really wasn't balling out anywhere when we bought him. Yeah, but balling out, I I, I don't know if I... I know, I know. Not not just Germany, not Timo Werner, just like there are different profiles. Again, I want to hear, because Broja is not playing for us, it's harder for me to like... What is the type of nine that we're trying to look for? What is the the because so far, if I'm gonna go off of Broja getting a seven year contract and Fofana, we want a Taram profile striker. We yeah, do. Big, I was gonna mention. physical, quick, agile, sure. Because Fofana is also a striker slash right winger, and and Taram is a striker slash left winger. So if that's the case, sure, show him. Hey, look. These young guys aren't cut for it yet, but you can be the guy that leads the line today. And if mm-hmm. that's what they're pitching, go for it, because we don't have anything else. And, and honestly, as time goes longer, I, I, I think the most we can get out of Obama Yang is like a veteran super sub sort of uh, play out I of think, him. Because I, I think he's gone. I mean, I mean, I mean in, the, in this season. I'm talking January to May. Oh, That's gotcha, the gotcha. most we're going to be able to get out of Obama Yang. Yeah. So. But yeah, yeah. we we haven't talked about him, and I know he's not on the on the on the script. But Danny Olmo rumors are up. Mm, um, I did see that. The way I see it, it's the wrong profile for me. Really, because the way I see it is, if you're really gonna lean into the four two three one, or four two three one, excuse me, it makes more sense to me. I think. He is the kind of guy that will find those passes and, and he can do a little bit from the left or from the middle. So I, we have a relationship with Leipzig. He's not too expensive. If Nkunku is truly a done deal, there's a working relationship there too. And, and I don't know why, but Spanish players, the, offen- the very offensive kind, you know, it's like Mata worked. He, was on, he wasn't really anybody. And, and if it's, it's cheap... Torres worked in a way. He's not. He's he's not Torres. He's not coming off a major injury, and so I don't cool. know. I I'm not like super high on the Olmo deal, but again, it's kind of like the Taram one, where if it's like a good price, um, he's again a player that's young but not like extremely young. So I don't know. I, Those are the only ones I remember. I I think I've seen so far. Um, yeah, I've seen. Listen, the the on the Turam front, I'm I'm in complete agreement. I think in terms of fitting the Premier League, he'd be he'd be fucking sick. He's strong and he's very technical for someone his size. So 
I, I think just based on his profile, and that's that's a that's a Marcus Turam for dummies version of the way he actually plays. There's a lot more to his game, but I mean that's basically the essence of it. He's big, fast, and good with his feet, and now he can finally score goals, which is something he hasn't done the last couple seasons. He's answered some questions there. That's perfect signing. For Danny Olmo, it's like, okay, if we struck out on an Enzo Fernandez-type deal, I want to see us linked with Enzo Fernandez-like players. I don't want to see us linked with another winger. We, We don't necessarily need another winger. Like, you know, Pulisic looked good when he comes back. Hopefully, he does this season. And stay healthy. I'll give you the he, devil's he advocate here. Tell me why. Go through our wingers and tell me why we don't need a winger. And I'll give you my devil's advocate. You can no, count listen, lone listen, players. Listen, listen. I'm not saying we don't need a winger. I'm saying we could get through this season, hit the summertime, and hit up a oh, high-profile attacking player to fill in. Danny Omo is not a high-profile, sexy you know, boner signing. He's just not. And, and, and I think that's, and maybe I'm being a little, you know, armchair football fan on, on you, but I, I want a signing that, that makes me hard. And, and a guy like Marcus Turam can come in and be an immediate impact. We already talked about his profile, even though it's not somebody that we've necessarily been linked with. I think made an incredible impression at the World Cup. And I mean, just based on those alone, it makes me more excited than a guy like Omo. I'm not like, let's be all in on Marcus Turam or anything, but I'm just comparing the two. Turam gets me excited because I've seen him perform at the highest level. I've seen him do great things at the highest level. And he also fills an immediate void at the same time. I don't think signing Danny Omo fills an immediate void. It does fill a void in a sense because... Ziyech is Deadwood. One of Pulisic or Sterling's not going to be here in the long term. No, I, that I, leaves again, you. I'm not. I'm not Zierers. saying that. I'm not so saying like, it's a must. I'm just saying I saw that yeah. that link. And and at the end of the day, like all well and good that we're linked to these players, but it's nothing without a midfield. I, at the end of the day, I don't think that Taram is going to light saying. it up for us because we, we don't to... have the midfielder. And and in yeah. January though, it's Enzo or bust. Like I, that's where I'm at. I don't think there is another center mid we're going to target. I don't see. I can't think for five seconds while I'm ranting here, and you can't give me a name. I don't know who's available. I can't think of anyone who is remotely close to that profile who could be of Chelsea quality. And the opportunity's there. The opportunity's there for the taking if you just shell out the money. And I know it's a lot, and I know FFP, and I know all these things. I get it. But come summer, right? Summer comes along, we don't make Champions League. The only quote-unquote marquee signing for midfield that we'll be able to make based on what we can offer is going to be Declan Rice because he is a Chelsea boy through and through and he wants to play here. Yeah. So it's Declan and it's maybe Moises Caicedo because at the end of the day, Moises Caicedo, also not a progressive passer. He's another just... Destroyer in the field works yeah. hard, and, and 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 that's needed, but it's not going to help the way we want it to. So, yeah, I it's Enzo or bust at this point. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I I think the thing is, unless we're not making a sneaky 
you know, teenage South American signing or 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 like like an Andre uh, like a Andre Santos signing or a Casa Day signing or a Chuck Lomeca signing where we're signing someone really young with high upside, you know, for these transfer fees that don't necessarily pop out of the phone when you're reading them, but when you're comparing them to someone their age, it might be expensive. Getting linked to a player like that, I don't know. getting another, I don't know, fucking Ross Barkley, a, you know, it, it just an, an average-ass player. I don't want that. I think we either need to be going after young talent that has incredible upside, world-beating upside, or the sexy signings. No in-betweens. I just, I don't want place fillers. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of why I don't like Danny Omo so much. And I feel like Turam has a better chance at becoming a sexy signing later on. So, but anyways, um, we do play Fulham next. Um, Fulham, who are ahead of us in the table, believe it or not, they're seventh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so you did hear that correctly. Chelsea are the second best team in West London at the moment. Um, but the good news is we will be playing them without Mitrovic. So Mitro is out due to yellow card accumulation. Um, he won't be playing. If you guys have been living under a rock this entire time, he's their best fucking player. That's all you need to know about it. Center forward, bully, scores a lot of goals. But you won't see him. So they're probably going to play Vinicius, uh, the Brazilian kid that was on Spurs a few years back. And um, they're going to cross their fingers and just try to ink out an ugly result. I think that's exactly what they're going to try and do in this game. Um, just like they did in their last three. They won all three of their last three matches. Um, and they did so, some of them in style, some of them gritty. You know, and, and they really scraped it out. Um, and I think that's a good way to describe this Fulham team on the season as a whole. I think that they've been gritty. I think they've been surprising. I think they've also played really, really good football. They've actually been fun to watch. Willian looks like he's Willian, 26, 27-year-old Willian all of a sudden. Guy's 34 and still balling. Andres is laughing because he loves Willian. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think this is a good follow-up match post-City. It is a way. Um, we do follow this matchup with Crystal Palace at home, Liverpool away, Fulham at home, and West Ham away. So we play Fulham twice in the next five matches. Hey Andy, you said it in the group chat earlier, and now that I'm looking at it, I think we could go four for five if we really are bang on it. But based on current form, I think anything, I think if we could get three wins out of our next five, that would be just an in so nice, <laughs> so nice. Yeah, uh, if we can get ten point minimum out of the next five, I'll be very happy. I. Give me, give me nine and I'll be okay. But we need to start winning games again. And Fulham without Mitro is is a perfect give me. time to to just get the feel good factors going again. Get something in, and and then it's another. It's like London Derby, London Derby, big game. London Derby, London Derby. It, this is the time. This is where you get to prove you're playing for the badge. That it means something to be Chelsea. Fulham, Palace, Fulham and West Ham. Liverpool is obvious that you want to wake up for. But I mean, it is, this is it. Prove to us you care about this club. Score, 
freaking go nuts and pull the badge. Don't kiss it, because I don't believe half of y'all want to actually kiss it. But go be assholes to the other club's fans after you score on them. Talk shit to their benches. Get yellow cards for arguing with their coach. I want all of that shit. fucking battle this for the next five matches and win. Ugly. Yellow cards with the shitty shit house you got fouled inside the box and you just dropped dead i don't give a fuck you need to go out there and act like all these are finals not just because we've been shit in the premier league but because there are london darbies and liverpool and that should be more than enough to get us three wins and if that doesn't if you don't see that sort of attitude from these players in these matches fucking bench them because there's not a better set of there's not a better set of matches that we can go into to try to turn things around in my book I don't want to play relegation sides. These are the kind of games. These are it. These are historic rivalries, historic level matchups. Go get them. That was, in, that was amazing. Andres is in mid-season form in terms of uh, pregame speeches. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think, I think if you're not playing well, the only way to play is pissed off. And maybe that could, maybe, maybe that could ignite something, right? And I think maybe this team needs to learn how to sort of bang their head against the wall and, and rally cry. Like, like, they, like they, we really need a warrior in the side. I think it's screaming for one. And it doesn't even have to be somebody who's hard tackling or physically dominating or any of that. I just want someone who is willing to fucking flip the entire house upside down just to make his point known to the ref or make his point known to the other team's coach or the other team's captain. Give me some fucking shithousery. Give me some, on a normal day, terrible yellow cards to, to, to take. G- give me all of that. I want everything. I want you tackling players when they're out of bounds. I want you fucking talking shit to the other players before they take their penalties. I want all of it. I want all the smoke. And I, I like that's the thing. I think the team needs to have the same mentality in order for them to see any sort of turnaround in form or even turnaround in just the on-field product because we can't keep playing in 10-minute spurts. It's just, it's not sustainable. It's, it's, it's not, it's not going to win you games. So, Andy, I'm going to go 1-0. I cannot ever predict that Chelsea are going to lose a game to Fulham of all teams. So... I'm going to go 1-0. I think since they don't have Mitro, they're going to find it really difficult to get into a rhythm because, again, if we defended them in this match like we did against City on Thursday in the Premier League, I think we walk away with a win. They probably give up a few chances. We score a goal, maybe get a lucky pen or something like that and walk away with the three points. I think we'll get three points as well. I'm going to predict this until it happens, honestly. I, I honestly think 2-0. It won't be a pretty 2-0. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, goal. The one goal will be earned. The other will be some sort of luck, deflection, something ugly, just because we're not good at scoring. So Anybody but a Tim Ream or Anthony Robinson own goal. Nah, I don't think it'll come to that. I think <laughs> I think we'll we'll score. 2-0 yeah. sounds fair to me, I think. Chukomeka gets a start. I hope Chalaba gets a start at right back. And Zakaria has to play in midfield. That, that's about it. Ziyech, maybe, maybe Ziyech is the main man on this one because he has to start. There's no other option. Unfortunately for us, I think Kai has to start again. 
because yeah. he's at least better than Obama Yang. And I think Fofana, it's, it's too soon. I saw Fofana throw, I can't remember which, I think it might have been Laporte, but he legitimately body slammed him to the ground, which I thought was awesome. Um, but I just think it's too soon to see him. So, yeah, I'm hoping for a 2-0 win. Typical 4-2-3-1. Hopefully you see a Chukomeka. Hopefully you see a Lewis Hall. Uh, Chalaba right back, Zakaria DM. Those are my predictions. I like that. I'm I'm gonna one up it. I right, since I already said one nil, I think Chukwemeka scores our assists. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So, anyways, um, hopefully we'll be back to winning ways the next time you hear our lovely voices. Um, if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you do. Blues on Parade. Um, we are also on Spotify. Pretty much every third party or every major and third party podcasting app. So make sure you're checking us out. Make sure you're not only just checking us out, you're hitting that subscribe button if you really like us. And uh, until next week, let's keep the blue flag flying high.